Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. My name is Jeremy Blackwood. If you, I have not met you, I oversee the worship and creative arts here at the, uh, at the church, and I've been a part of this church for, uh, it'll almost be 16 years. 16 years, can you believe that? That's crazy. Why don't we stand to our feet? Everybody stand, if you're able. And uh, um, this, is a, this is a practice uh, some churches would do when they would read the scriptures. I think it's just a way to just, it physically tells your body something important is about to, st- to happen here. And so uh, they're going to have it on the screens, and we're just going to go through Philippians 3. Um, so it starts with the heading, The Priceless Value of Knowing Christ. Well, that's a pretty good start. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Did you think you were going to be talking about circumcision today when you woke up? Probably not. We are. Okay. For... For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have, I should clarify if you have not been a part of this series yet, the Apostle Paul is writing this, and I'll tell you a little bit more about the Apostle Paul. But he's writing this, these are his words. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. This is what Paul says about himself. I was circumcised when I was, there it is again, when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. That's pretty incredible, actually. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness uh, through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, share in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. We're halfway through, okay? We're doing okay? Next heading, pressing towards the goal. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who have spiritual maturity agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Verse 17, we're coming to the end. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn 
from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose, many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag on shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak and mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it is true, that it is immovable. God, it has the power to change our minds, change our bodies. God, change everything about our lives, God, for the better, the way you always intended it to be from the beginning. God, we thank you that you are going to do your work through your spirit in Jesus' name and a faith-filled church said together, amen. amen. Awesome. Well, you can give a high five to your neighbor, have a seat, or a foot five if you so desire. A little snuggle kiss if you're married, potentially. Okay. Some sp- one's, usually one spouse is like, yeah, and the other one's like, don't you dare. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Okay, as you can tell, we have a lot to get through. And we don't have, we're not going to focus on everything, but I want to pull out a few, few things as we go through. As we go through Philippians 3, um, and this is... This is uh, I mean, every chapter is great in Philippians, but I just, this one gets me excited personally, and I don't know how Pastor Mike and Monica decided to choose it, but it must have been the Holy Spirit to say, this is your one. I love, I love uh, what's happening in, in this, uh, in chapter 3. So, it's, so chapter 3 is a warning against a joyless and miser- miserable Christianity. That's what it is. It's a warning. It's like, hey, there's a way to live, and it's not in misery. How is it, have you noticed that how some Christians can live in such a way that they're filled with joy, purpose, they're just, when you see them, they're just bubbling over, and then other ones are critical, critical stubborn, and like, at the end of the, it's like they've got like a, a, a permanent frown, like they got it tattooed, like, a, like the eyebrows are just down at all times, and they're just judging you all the time, getting all judgy. It's true, they're self-righteous, they're trolls, I'm just going to say it. Well, chapter 3 has the answer of how these two worlds exist within Christianity. It starts in verse 1. I love that first word, whatever. Whatever includes absolutely everything. It's not like most of the time or on occasion, whatever happens, whether there's life or there's death or anything in between, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Not rejoice in your circumstances, not rejoice in, in a pay raise or a great vacation, though those things are great, or just maybe you've just gotten engaged, or whatever the situation is, you, you know, you just had a big success. Those things are good to celebrate, but when we rejoice, we rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. And he says, I never get tired of, of telling you these things, and I do it, this is so cool, to safeguard your faith. If you want to live with strong faith in Christ, the way you actually safeguard yourself is through rejoicing. Now, this doesn't mean I'm happy all the time. I'm so happy about every circumstance going on in my life. It's not plastic smile guy. 
It's not. You're, you're actually, when you have sorrow, you can actually still rejoice because there's a reality that's greater than your sorrow. It doesn't negate what's happening. It just overrides what's happening. So right away, he's giving us the tool for, for safeguarding our faith. We rejoice in the Lord. Uh, and Philippians is a joyful book, but it's not a book about joy. Joy is just the result of what Paul is talking about. Chapter 2, Joy talked about last week. It's a call to unity, really. It's about thinking, thinking about others over yourself. You're humbling yourself. Uh, chapter 3 starts with that call to rejoice, as I mentioned. Uh, but it's followed by a warning right away. There's another mindset, other than rejoicing, that can steal your joy. And what is it? It's found in verse 2. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. It goes on to talk about circumcision. And hey, you have to understand, at this time, there was a way of living apart from Christ. And the Jewish people followed this way of living. They had all these rules. They had the Ten Commandments. And then there's all these Levitical laws that came on. There's hundreds and hundreds, 600 plus laws that you use. And the Apostle Paul, he said, hey, listen, I was born a pure-blooded uh, I, I'm a pure-blooded Israelite. I am a Jew. And like I followed all the rules to a T. I followed them perfectly. And really what that is, is self-righteousness. I do all these things. I work really hard. I follow these rules. I do this. I don't do that. And people who don't do what I'm doing, they're wrong. And I'm going to call them out. And that's what the Apostle Paul was actually doing. If you rewind, if you look through the book of Acts and follow his story, he was that guy who's just like, hey, you Christians, I'm going to kill you. That's actually, he was, that's, that's his mission. He was so extreme. He was leading it all. And like, you gotta, this is the way to God. You follow this law. And it's self, it, it turns into self-righteousness, ultimately, is what it is. And so he's saying, watch out for these guys. He used to be one, but he's like, whoa, I woke up to the real reality of, of the true circumcision, if you want to call it that, is, is found in Christ. You don't need to physically be circumcised. Are you enjoying this topic here? <laughs> it's a weird topic, but it's a real topic. It's in the Bible. And this is, I'm just trying to bring together what's actually happening so you're not like, this is just so weird. Why are they talking about this? This is why they're talking about it, because this is the way you did it. And now Paul is saying, you don't have to do that anymore. There's a new way to be righteous. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us, the Bible says here. And so self-righteousness is the disease that can take a Christian and instantly turn them into a proud, arrogant Christian snob. Have you experienced those people before? Yep. I've been that person before at times. Maybe we all have in little pockets here and there. I've experienced, I've experienced people who know what the Bible says so well. They know it inside and out, actually. And yet, they just know it here, and it has not made it to here, and it has not transformed any bit of their life. They just have a knowledge. And so self-righteousness... Is, is, is ultimately just, it's that puffing up of self. Righteousness ultimately means doing the right thing and standing rightly before God. So God is the one who actually allows us through Christ when we stand before him, when we've accepted Christ and say, I, as an individual, am putting my faith in Christ, 
all of a sudden we are seen righteous. It's not self-righteousness, it's righteousness in Christ and through Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. And then of course self-righteousness is making myself right by my works, my strength, myself. Have you ever tried to do that in your Christian faith? It is tiring. Oh, I did this, now I got to do that, and now this. Oh, I, well, I kind of thought this, and so I should be doing this now. And Like, after a while, you're just exhausted. Uh, but you can't be self-righteous and others-focused at the same time. And so, um, you know, what does, Paul, what does Paul eventually do? He, he gets into, he, like he explains in verse 5, this is, as I mentioned, this is, you know, this, I was the perfect model citizen to be following the law, but it didn't work. And then we pick it up in verse 7, and basically what he does, he does, he, he comes up with a chart, and he charts his gains and his losses. I don't know if you've done this before, a pros and con list, gains, you can do this with like a fine, financial investments as well. But you can do it with anything. You can say, well, what's the positive? What am I gaining from this situation? And what am I losing? And Paul actually takes under under the gain list that he used to have, under the law, he took every single thing that was under that gain list, and he just moved it over to the loss column. Everything. Every single thing that he had achieved on his own, it's worthless. It's garbage. He moved it all over there. So that he could gain, he just, (laughs) it's crazy, he put one thing, that he could gain Christ. That's it. He, he, He moved everything, this is all garbage. He uses, listen to these terms that he uses in Philippians 3, 8, and 9. What, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For those uh, for whose sake I have lost all things. Moved it all over there. I lost it all. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care about my accomplishments, my promotions, my medals, my accolades. I don't care about any of that, my talents, my gifts, abilities. It's not as if he doesn't care about his life, but he's making such an extreme statement saying, this stuff is garbage, it's worthless. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now, some of you have heard this message over and over, and it's a message we can't hear enough. And maybe this is the first time you're hearing this message. You don't have to earn your way to God. You approach him by faith, saying, I believe in who you are. I believe in what you've accomplished. And I believe in what you say about me as well, that I actually have value. And when you believe that and you put your faith in Christ, you are righteous. All the striving, all the struggling just vanishes. It's just in the lost department. It, does, it doesn't even matter because you've gained Christ. He's immeasurable. Um, in the New Living Translation, it says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value. Infinite value. There is no way to measure the value of knowing Christ. So Paul is he's, he's pretty extreme here, but it's a good extreme. He's, hopefully you're getting the picture of, of what's happening here. Imagine it this way. I don't know if you've played the game of life before, but you're playing the game of life, 
and you, you know, basically you're, you're gaining money and accomplishments and all these things, right? And, and you're, just trying to, you're just trying to get as much as you can. That's the whole purpose of, that's how you win the game of life. I'm going to get as much as I can. And imagine you're a kid playing this game and your dad comes up to you and just whispers in your ear and says, for every dollar that you give away in this game, I'll give you a real dollar when the game's over. Would that change the way you played the game of life? I would be like, hey, do you want this free money? Hey, do you want this? I would just be giving everything away. That's kind of, hopefully that paints a picture, because that's, that's the reality of, of what we actually gain in Christ. We're, if we're trying to play the game of life on our own, may, you, you might get 60, 80, up to 100 years of life, and then it all is gone. Doesn't matter what you accomplished, billions of dollars, accomplishments. I went to the moon, hooray. I'm not saying that stuff isn't great, but like if you get to your, the end of your life and, th- and that's all, you worked hard for that, it just goes up in smoke. You can't bring any of that with you. But if you gain Christ, my goodness, it's powerful. Okay, where am I at for time? Ultimately, it's the big trade-in. Paul, his eyes are opened, and he says, there's a trade to be made here, and I'm going to go for it. I'm moving all my chips in, and I'm going to go for it. Chapter 1 is the trade. Uh, if, if we look in chapter, Philippians chapter 1, uh, the trade this life for the next, to, to, it really talks about to die is to gain. And then last week, Joy talked about the self-centered life versus the other-centered life. So you're trading a self-centered life and you're fixating a life that's actually on others. And then in, in this chapter, we're, talking, we're trading our self-righteousness. I can do it. I'll make it happen. To, I can't do it. I can't make it happen. I will never be righteous on my own. And you're trading that for real righteousness through faith in, faith in Christ. Now, this is one of my favorite parts of the scripture. When... Uh, the, the part where Paul starts talking about knowing Christ. So now in the world of social media, especially like something like Instagram, you can, f- you can follow any person that you want that is on Instagram. You could pick any famous celebrity and just follow them. And after a while, it feels like you kind of know who they are. I don't know if you've experienced that before, but you're like, I, I kind of know them. Like, I know what they're going to do in this situation. And what happens is you can know all about them and you feel like you know them, but they literally don't know you exist. Isn't that true? They don't know that you exist. I follow Chris Martin from Coldplay. I think it's kind of cool just to see what that musician, what he's doing behind the scenes. It's like, this is kind of cool. Chris Martin doesn't know that I'm alive. (laughs) If you're out there, Chris... Love to do a duet with you, buddy. Okay. I know about Chris Martin, but there's no knowing. Like, now take my wife on the other hand. She knows me probably too well, unfortunately, at times. She knows, and think about a friendship or a close friendship that you might have. There's an intimacy. There's a real knowing. Philippians 3, 8, and verse 10, it says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ, actually knowing Christ, 
Not knowing about Christ, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for his sake I've de discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And he says, I want to know Christ, in verse 10, and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. I want to know Christ. Now, no one enters into a marriage relationship saying, hey, probably not going to get to know you very well, but I'll be over here. Like, <laughs> that wouldn't happen. There would be no vows. There'd be no ceremony. No, when you get married, it's because you really like that person and you already know a lot about them and you want to continue to get, know, get to know them. And you do throughout the series of your life. And the same is with Christ. If, if we actually fast, fast forward, there's a verse in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. I might use this verse almost every time I preach because it scares me, but it humbles me at the same time. This, this, this is Jesus speaking. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, okay, well, why not? But only uh, the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, Jesus will say this, I never knew you, away from me, you evildoers. That's a sobering verse. I cast out demons in your name, Jesus. I healed the sick person in your name, Jesus. Yeah, but I didn't know you. And, and so I guess the invitation that we have from Paul and from Christ is an intimate knowing of God. I would say that that is the number one priority of a Christian, that you get to know Christ. You intimately get to know him day in, day out. It's a relationship that you can actually have all the time. And from the knowing, the doing happens. Because this verse is talking in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, it's talking about doing. We did this, we did this, we did this. You could be doing all these things for Jesus. You could be doing highly noble, incredible, powerful things. But if you don't know Christ, he's saying it's, it's worthless. And so I don't say that to scare you. I say that as an invitation. This is an invitation that we get to know Christ intimately. It's a real relationship. And as we get near to the end of, of the, the chapter, I also like this a lot. That, that heading, pressing on to the goal. Psalm 63 says, my, my soul follows hard after you. And, and, and I, I'm a competitor. I don't know if there's other competitors. I like to win. I like to compete. I like when it's like, okay, here's the starting line. This is your task. This is your goal. It's like, all right. I can see John getting a little excited right now. He's like ready to go play some lacrosse and like hit somebody, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's like, yes, that's a, that is true. But I get excited. Like any athletes out there, it's like you kind of get warmed up. When, when you go into the court or the field or whatever, you're not kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. It's like, no, you warm up. You're stretching your muscles. You're getting ready. And then when that, that gun goes off or the whistle blows or the timer starts or whatever it is, there is an intensity inside of you that says, I am going to do everything that I can to win, help my team win. If I'm on a team sport, I'm going to press on. The Bible uses terms like, I'm going to press on, but I focus. And it says here uh, in, 
in Philippians 12, it says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things uh, or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for uh, which Christ uh, Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. He carries on with that. This last week, um, Jen was gone early in the morning. Usually I do early morning workouts with Pastor Mike, and he's gone on holidays as well. And so I was thinking, and the gym was under construction. They were moving the stuff around. So I'm like, okay, I can't do that. And I had to go get my van. It was in Devon. And so I looked up the, the kilometers, and it's 24 kilometers from my house. And I thought, that's actually not that far. I thought it was going to be like 55 kilometers just in my head. I thought, that's not that far. If you bike 24 kilometers an hour, you can get there in, in an hour, and that won't be bad. So I set off, and I, I, it was early, earlier in the morning, and I just I cruised down towards Kalmar, where the roundabout is, and then right up to Devon. And I made it just under an hour. But as I'm biking, when I'm going, you, you've got like A and B. A, B. Just repeat. You're just biking. And for me, when I do any type of workout, and even when I go biking, to me, it's not like this casual bike ride. I try to keep it in the highest gear that I possibly can at all times and keep my legs rotating as quick as I possibly can. That's how I'd like to do it. And so if I have to gear down where there's a bit of a hill, I'll do that, but I'll just keep on going. As I'm going on this trip, I'm, I'm aware that there's other things, but I have a destination in mind. And I need to make it there in a certain time because my, I had appointments and different things going on. And so as I'm going, I'm focused. I'm pressing on. And every so often, not very often, but every so often, I do have to do a quick check behind me in order to, to wisely navigate what's in front of me. You have to do that every so often. But if I were to be biking down the road like this the whole time, I would be dead in about four seconds. Because <laughs> I would just veer off and off you'd go. So the, the only real reason that you're actually looking to the past is so that you can actually move forward through the future better. And so hopefully you're getting encouraged by this. You're getting excited that you press on. As, as, as you go through life, there are going to be a lot of things screaming at you for attention. Screaming at you. Give me your attention. Give me your time. Give me your money. And Christ will be there every morning, every afternoon, every evening, and he will be patiently waiting, and he'll say, I'm here. You know, we can, we can have this relationship. I'm not talking about you spend the rest of your life, okay, all I'm going to do is just sit in a room and listen to Jesus. No. Because as you begin to listen to him, as you begin to press towards the goal of knowing him, desiring to be changed by him, there's a doing that just comes along with that. I know someone so great that I actually have responsibilities to t invite others to know him as well. And so, so that's the great invitation. And then um, as we wrap up here, I don't have a lot of time left, but Philippians 3, 17 to 19 says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. This is Paul speaking again. And learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many uh, whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross. It's not what they say. It's what their conduct is displaying. It shows that they're actually enemies of the cross. 
they're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And they think only about this life here on earth. And so I don't say that to shame anyone or, or I mean, all of us at times, our conduct is like, whoa, that wasn't very great. But what Paul is encouraging us to do is, first of all, what is your conduct? If you were to just, if, if all of a sudden for a whole week, you're, you were unable to speak, you couldn't say a single word, you couldn't even type a word, you couldn't text a word, anything. You just had actions to display you, what's really going on inside your life. Think about that for a moment. What would your actions actually say about your life? I know at times I'd be like, whoa, I'm super selfish. I say one thing and I do the other. My kids know that really well. I say stuff and then I don't do it. Oh, it's the worst. They're like, yeah, but you don't do it. You're right. I need to change. And that's, that's the hot tip here, if anything. It's like you come to Christ every day with humility in your heart saying, you know what, I didn't do it all right, but I'm here. I want to know you more. I want your character to change me. I want your character to shape me. I want you to renew me. And I will take time to renew my mind to the attitude and the mind of Christ that has been given me. Not this sinful, broken, prideful, arrogant mind that I have. No, it's the mind of Christ that has been given to me. And I want to know Christ. And we do that through daily surrender. Sometimes it's hourly surrender. Sometimes it's minute by minute surrender, especially when you're working with toddlers. Isn't that true, parents? Minute by minute, second by second. I surrender to you, Jesus. I surrender to you, Jesus. Ah! Ultimately, as I wrap, wrap up here, I just want to invite us to, to consider your own personal gains and loss chart. You can bring it up in your mind. What's important to you? Paul wasn't saying that you can't have anything important to you other than Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Paul was saying. But he was making the strong statement that Jesus is the greatest gain of all. And if he is not the greatest gain of all and everything else is a loss compared to him, then you really don't know him and you're really not following him. And so the invitation isn't, well, you just better do better. No, that's self-righteousness. The invitation is we come to Christ. We come surrender and say, by faith, Jesus, I come to you and I give my life up to you for the first time or again and again, and I surrender to your ways. So I want to invite us to stand even right now. Can take a moment. I'm just going to give that opportunity for all of us to re-surrender or surrender for the first time. We're going to take an opportunity to pray, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. We do this absolutely every single week, and we don't do this as a ritual. This is not just some ritual. Oh, here's the prayer that we pray at the end, even though it is a prayer that we pray at the end. But it's not a prayer that we do, okay, here we go. That's going to be great. You can be transformed in a moment. You can, your gains and loss column can switch around in just a moment as we pray this prayer. And so I'm going to lead us through a prayer right now. If you want to pray that prayer for the first time, you can just, you don't have to lift your hand or walk up here or do anything. You can just pray it out loud. We're all going to pray it out loud together. And I, I believe I need to pray this prayer again, a prayer of surrender to Christ again. And so I do believe that every human, this is the prayer that, that, uh, that is 
that is necessary for us on a daily basis. Not an earning, not, not a, oh, I've got to earn this, but just I surrender to you again, Jesus. It's a prayer of surrender. And so let's pray together. Just repeat after me if you can. Jesus, I thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you for hope. Thank you for a life reconnected to God. And right now, I come to you and I say that I am sorry for trying to do things on my own, in my own power. Would you forgive me? And would you give me a brand new start? I surrender my life to you right now and by faith in Christ I am made whole new and righteous in Jesus name and a faithful church said together amen we hope today's message encouraged you if you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.